Hello and welcome to the Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rhodes. On today's episode, 31 Things I Learned by 31, Lessons I'd Share with Myself One Decade Ago. If I could speak to myself 10 years ago, there are so many things I'd want to say. Uh, Many of them are lessons I learned the hard way. But pain can be a great teacher. In celebration of my 31st birthday, I'd like to invite you into some of these lessons and expound on what I've learned. This will be a a fun podcast. I'm going to share some stories, some scripture, and, and some things that have really... Uh, there are things that have become foundational to how I live my life. So I hope they really benefit you and, and can help you in your walk with God and the way that you live your life day to day. Um, maybe even there's some, maybe there's some answers in this for you and some things that you're, you're looking for in this season or trying to figure out in this season or trying to understand, uh, with what's going on in your, in your life currently. So I, I know I'm only 31. I you know I've only lived 31 years. I've I've been a Christian a little over a decade, and uh, so there's definitely people out there that are wiser than me uh, and that know a lot more than I do. But I've learned some things uh, over the years, and so I'd like to share those with you. Also, if if you've enjoyed this podcast. Uh, I just want to ask you, please share this with your friends, share it on social media, tell people about the podcast, text it to them, uh, message it to them, all the things that will really help get the word out. You guys are doing a great job of that, but please help us continue to get the word out. And if you love this podcast, would you consider a a one time or monthly uh, gift of support to help sustain it, sustain what we're doing and help us grow? If that's something that you'd be interested in and you want to help us uh, stir others for hunger in the real Jesus, then you can go to firemovement.com slash support. Once again, that's firemovement.com slash support. And there you can choose a one-time or monthly gift. So we're going to jump right into this podcast where I'm going to share the 31 things I've learned by 31 right after a quick sponsor segment. Religion loves Jesus the teacher, is even okay with Jesus the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. But you gotta go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. He's worth your life. And there's, there's nothing, this, this city, this nation, the nations of the world are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, how, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could, we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly and you don't let anything else stop you, and if you'll, if you'll align yourself with who you are as a son or daughter of God, there is nothing that can stop you. This is the Fire Podcast. 
Well, here we are. I'm going to jump right into these 31 things. And uh, so these are 31 things. The, this idea came out of if uh, you're at 21, 21, you know, 21, I was uh, trying to figure out life. I was, you know, I think by that point, I had just ended my time at college at, at The Ohio State University. And uh, I was just trying to figure things out. I was a new believer. I was newly filled with Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I just, I didn't know a lot. I was very orphaned. And so over the years, I've, I've had to grow a lot. I've, I've, you know, I've led people. I've been in different ministry positions. I've had lots of friendships come and go. I've had, uh, I've, I've hurt people. I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, and so my hope is that you, you guys can, can uh, gain something from this. Whether you're a new believer or been a believer much longer than me, um, hopefully there's some some common lessons in this that we can pull from. And so I, I just thought when I when I built this list, I thought you know what were what are the things that I would say, what are the lessons that I've learned that I would share with my younger self? And who knows, my younger self probably would you know, accept as head knowledge and, and still have to go through the hard stuff, uh, and, and probably still have to, to experience all the pain, um, just because I was not very wise. And, um, you know, another thing, a lot of these have been very much influenced by the Proverbs. And so if you saw my Instagram post, I did it on my personal Instagram, uh, Instagram, which is Ryan M as in Michael Rhodes. Um, and I also shared it on, the uh, Encounter Fire, which is uh, Fire Movements Instagram. Um, but on that post, I add scripture to almost every single one. And so it's almost like a, a Bible study of life lessons. And you can really um, dig in and see scripture alongside the thing that I learned. And so, um, yeah, feel free to, to dig in any of these scriptures and uh, send me your feedback. If any of these really spoke to you, I'd love to hear from you. Or if you have any more questions, if I wasn't super clear, I'm, I'm open to that as well and would love to hear from you. So let's jump in. Number one, and these are these are in no particular order. Um, and, and so I, I didn't group them by anything or, you know, uh, order them by importance or anything like that. It was just like, you know, as I, as I thought of stuff, I add them. So number one, the cost of knowing him deeply is worth it. So the cost of knowing Jesus deeply is worth it. This is foundational. Catherine Kuhlman, uh, has been such an impactful figure, um, to my walk with God, even though she hasn't been alive in my lifetime. Um, but she would always say, uh, she would always speak about the cost, that the cost was worth it, but it was going to cost you everything. It would it costs everything to know him. And so anyone who's heard me preach uh, or, or, or speak, like I've, I've shared those sorts of things because that has rang true in my life. There is a deep cost uh, to following Jesus and salvation. Salvation is free, but then the uh, as as free as as it can be when you give your life over, uh, to someone who's, who's purchased it for you. Like the, the call of salvation is to come and die. And, um, I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer said the call of a discipleship is to come and die, something along those lines. But really it's the call of salvation is like, is to be co-crucified with Christ. Um, and so there is, there is a cost to that. 
but it it is something you 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 accept, and I feel like the the weight of of what you accepted becomes more and more real over time, and so then you have these moments of counting the cost all over again, of realizing it's gonna pull you in directions you didn't see coming, and it's gonna cause you to do things that you didn't expect to do. It's gonna cause you to um, to lay down things that you didn't think you would have to lay down, and not always, you know, sometimes we think sin and we just think of the really obvious stuff that just blatantly hurts us. But a lot of times sin looks like holding on to things that he's asked you to let go of that aren't actually bad things. They're just not for you or they're not for you in this season or they're a distraction or they're an idol. And anything that gets in between us and God has to go. And so the cost is is giving everything. It's, it's laying down everything to know Holy Spirit deeply. And in, in, in reality, the cost is small, you know, because it's just you and me. Um, we're worthy because Jesus said we're worthy and because he gave his life for us. But at the same time, it's, it's a crappy deal for him. You know, like we're, we're laying down our, our lives, but we get him. <laughs> and so no matter how, how valuable or, or whatever we are, we get him. And that's incredible. Um, so the cost, the cost of of knowing Him is is dying to ourself, and it uh, and it's worth it all. It's worth the the you know it's worth the time in prayer. It's worth the fasting. It's worth all all the you know all the pain that comes with that. It's worth the loneliness when you're you're chasing after God and it feels like no one else around you is. It's all worth it. Number two. Talk less, listen more. There's always someone wiser. It's easy to want to be the first one to speak. Don't. Listen and see what we can learn from others. So I, on this, uh, I, I, I put Proverbs 17.28. So this is actually a foundational verse uh, that has allowed me to be in, in situations that most people don't get themselves in. And Proverbs 17, 28 says something along the lines of even a fool is counted wise when he keeps his mouth shut. And so this is something that actually has bothered people uh, in the past uh, because I, especially in rooms where I don't know people, where I'm not the one being pulled on, you know, it's much different if you are the leader in the room and people are pulling on you and asking questions and that sort of thing. But it's, it's a whole different circumstance if you're in the room with leaders, you're in a room with people you don't know, and I would rather keep my mouth shut than expose myself for how little I actually know. And, uh, and that's, not, that's not, you know, degrading myself or acting like I, don't, I haven't, you know, obtained any wisdom by this point in my life, but I've realized that it's, it's much more important to listen first. And there's been moments where that's, that's actually saved me, where somebody said something in a different way than I could have, or they, or somebody that, uh, sometimes you're in situations where you're not actually going to be heard and, and that's okay. God puts us in those situations where, where you're, you're, you're around people that actually don't value what you have to say. And so there's been times I've had something that I've wanted to say, and I've just kept my mouth shut because uh, because the Lord has told me to. 
and in that somebody else in the room who's more respected will say what I was going to say. And that's also when you get to see if you have any kind of orphan thing in you that wants the attention or, well, I wanted to say that, you know, and and then everyone's like, it's a great idea. And you, you kind of want that affirmation or that celebration. And, uh, and, and that's, the, that's the thing, especially as you're walking out of orphanhood, people have no clue how much, uh, how much they reveal when they talk. And so I've been around uh, young believers quite a bit, both as a young believer and as somebody who's a little bit more seasoned now. And I've seen over and over again that young believers will tend to run their mouth and, uh, and, and it's, and it's out of a good place. It's full of zeal and excitement and all that sort of thing, but they'll run their mouth and they'll actually expose how much they're looking for affirmation or, or they're trying to convince everyone that they're, they're something special, um, which is really sad. And it, and it really breaks my heart because I've been there. Um, and just realizing like, we don't actually have to do that. We don't have to try to convince people that we're special, um, which again, too later. Number three, pretty simple, above all else, guard your heart. And I, there's several more numbers on this list, uh, lessons I've learned where uh, guarding, uh, that are, there are, are ways to guard your heart. But I've just realized that um, throughout the years, keeping my heart soft and in a good place has been essential both keeping it soft towards the Lord and soft towards people, no matter how much I've been hurt. That's been essential to keeping me alive. And it's one of the reasons that I, to this point, by the grace of God, have had longevity in my my relationship with God. Uh, at, at this point, I've been a, a believer long enough to watch people be on fire for God and burn out. And I've watched people go from being excited about the things of God to not even believing in God. I've watched people go from being passionate to being back row Christians or, you know, barely attending church because they don't, they, they've lost it. And most of the time it comes down to, they haven't kept their hearts off towards people. It's very important. Number four, God really will answer your prayers and some of the things you're afraid to pray for. He's a great father. You know, I I think we all believe that mentally, like on an intellectual level, we believe he's a great father, but much like the disciples. So like if the disciples actually believed what Jesus taught them, he literally told them what was going to happen. They would have been waiting outside the tomb on the third day if they believed him, but they did not. They intellectually agreed with him. They didn't quite get it, but they agreed with him. And then when he was gone and when circumstances didn't look like that was going to be the case, they weren't there. They weren't waiting for him. And so we do the same thing very often with with the father. Like the father, he's a good father. He actually wants to take care of us. He wants to partner with us. We can ask him for things. The only requirement is what we see in Matthew 6 where it says, uh, it, it, it's a section of scripture that, you know, it comes after, don't worry about the, the, uh, the, the food you'll eat or the clothes you'll wear. And it talks, that's where it talks about the birds and the flowers and how the father takes care of those needs and how, how much more valuable are you than they? 
So don't don't worry about the food you'll eat or the clothes you'll wear. And then it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and these things will be added unto you. And most of us do that the opposite. We seek those things, and then we're frustrated that we don't see the kingdom and that our needs aren't taken care of. We seek first the kingdom, which Romans 14, 17 says is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So we we seek Holy Spirit. We seek in him, we seek righteousness, peace, and joy. And as we seek those things, God takes care of our needs. He takes care of the food we'll eat and the clothes we'll wear. And so I, you know, he is such a good father. He takes care of all of our needs. And beyond that, there's things in our heart that I've found over the years that I've been too scared to pray, too scared to ask for, either because I think he's going to he's going to shut it down or because I already am in a place of hopelessness. Uh, and I just don't think that he's going to be that good, whether I'd admit that out loud or not. I know that throughout the years I've, I've dealt with that, where I've felt like, why even pray this? Because he's not going to do it. And I'm telling you, if I could convince myself 10 years ago, if I could convince you right now, he's so good. Ask, seek, knock, ask him for great things. Ask, dream big. He, he is the God of exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ask, think, or imagine. That is who he is. And so the more that your heart and your mind, your spirit, like the more that you begin to align with him, which is what righteousness is, you align with him, with the way he thinks, the way he does things, the more that even your desires will begin to align up with him and you'll see more and more prayer answered. Number five. The honor of God is truly better than, than the glory of men. You know, this is, um, I won't get into this one probably too much, but I have seen this. I have been, um, some of you know this and some of you don't. I saw somebody raised from the dead years ago. And when this happened, um, I, it was beautiful. It was an amazing story. Maybe I'll share that another time. Um, it almost ruined my life because I was a young, broken kid. I was rejected by so, so many people leading up to this. I, I had just met Holy Spirit a few months before. I was hungry. I was seeing miracles because I believed the Bible. I hadn't learned all the unbelief. I hadn't learned it. I just, I had discovered a Jesus that healed people that did miracles uh, but I didn't know how to engage with him on a deep level personally to be healed. And what happened to me in the charismatic church is that got out that I, that somebody was raised from the dead. And I started getting invited places. I started getting treated different. And I was treated at the level of how we see that miracle. Meaning like in the charismatic Pentecostal world, like that's the pinnacle. You know, you got people who see people get out of wheelchairs, but they haven't seen somebody raised from the dead. And so that, that scene, like, that's the one. That's the one that we're all going after. We all want to be like Wigglesworth, you know, and seeing all the dead raisings or David Hogan. And um, and so it was seen as the pinnacle. So I started to get treated at the level of the miracle and not at the level of my intimacy with God or my my understanding even I was a new believer at this at this point I barely knew the word of God and I was getting invited to speak in churches and things like that so it almost destroyed me um thank thankfully 
uh, I had good a, a good uh, spiritual father at that point who could really talk me through that some of that stuff. And I remember he said to me, he said, Ryan, there's going to come a day where raising somebody from the dead isn't what you're known by. And, um, and he just really helped direct me back to like, get intimacy with God, go after Jesus, build character, do the things you need to do. And almost to the point that it annoyed me, he didn't care about the miraculous stuff. He, he acknowledged that that was important. He acknowledged that the experiences I was having were important, all the things, but he pushed me towards character. And that was, that was so important. And since then, uh, cause this one is the honor of God is truly better than the glory of men. So I experienced the glory of men and that's happened to me throughout, throughout my life. I've experienced, uh, moments of the glory of men and it's always fleeting. Uh, Catherine Kuhlman would say this. She said the human heart is very fickle, meaning they love you one day and they hate you the next. And I've experienced that. I've experienced people that I've given everything for. Uh, for them to experience God. I've given them everything I have. I've given them my time, my heart, my prayers, my tears, you know, done stuff behind the scenes that they don't even know about. And then had them, you know, turn around and hate me or attack me, you know, and, and that's hard. That's, but that's part of leadership. That's, that's part of, I mean, you can relate to Jesus in that because he's experienced that one of his disciples sold him out to be killed. I haven't experienced that. I haven't I haven't experienced that level of betrayal. Jesus' disciples didn't show up to his crucifixion. They didn't wait around at it, at his tomb. Like that's a level of betrayal and rejection like many of us have never faced. Um you know, so the glory of men it's 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 fleeting, it'll pass away, but the honor of God, I have seen God honor the pain, honor the the things that we've we've stood for that my wife and I the things that the the sacrifices we've made just to follow him just to be obedient and I've seen him honor us in that in ways sometimes public sometimes private sometimes in front of the church sometimes hidden from the church uh, but it's been a beautiful journey so that's been pretty amazing next one process 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 this is number six Every prophetic word is an invitation to process. You are uh, who you are today will not stand up under the prophetic weight of tomorrow if you don't go through process. So this is one of my biggest life lessons is you get a prophetic word and you feel like it's going to happen tomorrow. I'm ready. God, why isn't it here yet? But the truth is... (laughs) And this is so key. The truth is that prophetic word is an invitation into process. And if you don't go through the process, the the prophetic word will crush you. It will destroy your life. And so, so many people in charismatic circles, we've gotten a million prophetic words and we're frustrated because none of them seem to come true. And the truth is, The ones that actually are from God, because not every prophetic word you get is true. And that's why we have to test all things. But the ones that actually are from God, many of us are missing out on them because God is merciful. Because he is is too good to allow you to have 
have that prophetic word that will destroy your life without uh, without you going through the process. So if you neglect the process, you will reject, in a sense, the prophetic word. And so I encourage you, when you get a prophetic word, begin to look at it as, um, you know, when I receive a prophetic word, I go, okay, God, in order for this prophetic word to come true, the, the me that I see in that prophetic word, in my prophetic vision, is different than where I'm at now. So let's start the work to get me ready to be that person that I will be when this word is fulfilled. It's it's a it's a when you receive a prophetic word, it's a hey, it's time to go in, into construction. It's time to go into training. It means education. It you know, and so I think, you know, people a common one I've heard used is like people get a word like, "Oh, you're going to be a prophetic worship leader and lead worship in stadiums and all this stuff, but it's like you can barely play the guitar." You know, so that prophetic word should initiate a a uh, an unction to go after intimacy with God and excellence in your craft. Both, it should be something that that makes you want to go and 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 learn and and fine tune your skill. But also, there is a level of intimacy of of brokenness of humility that you have to have to stand up in a stadium and do that, and not allow the the applause of man or or that moment uh, to become your identity. And so most people, he has mercy and keeps them out of those positions. Um, Another one is I received some prophetic words about some things financially. And I looked and I realized my relationship with money is not healthy enough for me to stand in that position. And, uh, And some of the ways that I handle things. And actually most of the church you know, most of you have prophetic words about finances and business and all these things. And it's, I'm telling you, most most of you, including myself, do not have a healthy relationship with money. And there's things that the Lord wants to undo in you and things that you need to learn about uh, and new mindsets around money and not just Dave Ramsey, you know, stuff that you can uh, regurgitate that you've heard. I'm, I'm telling you, like, there's there's a deep level that God wants to work in, in you uh, to help you be able to stand up under those words. And he will not bring the increase until you do. So that's something I've learned. Um, and one, the section of scripture I put for this was the story of Joseph, because Joseph has this dream. And in this dream, his family's bowing down to him. And as a young, excited kid, he thinks the point of the, of the prophetic word is that his family's going to bow down to him. And fast forward after pit, prison, you know, palace, all of it, he's the right hand of Pharaoh. And the prophetic vision comes true because his brothers are terrified and thinks he's going to kill them based on what they did. And the point of the vision was not what he thought it was. When he was a kid, he thought it was, oh, my family's going to bow down to me. The point of the vision was there was coming a day when he was going to be in a position to save the known world from famine. And so that's how incomplete, that just speaks to how incomplete our prophetic uh, our, our prophetic words are. We receive prophetic words and we think, oh my gosh, I'm going to be this, this, or that. And it, it, it you know, and it's, it's good. It gives us courage. It gives us hope. It makes us dream. But I'm telling you, how you view life now is not how you'll view life then. 
And so it's really important to just go after the character piece more than the word itself. It's not, it's not your job to make the word happen, but it is your job to prepare uh, to be the person that can carry the word that God's speaking. And so there was a level of character that if, if Joseph would have been taken, if he received that word as that kid and then was put into the palace, he would have, he would have uh, been put in a really bad position and wouldn't have been able to do what he was called to do. Number seven, offense isn't worth the trouble. Forgive quickly and forgive as often as you have to for your heart to be free. Uh, this one's pretty simple, uh, but it's one of the hardest things to do. It's not worth being offended at people. If you realize your heart's offended, bless them. If, if you realize your heart's offended, have a conversation if you need to. If it's something you can't have a conversation over, like that's cut off for some reason, then to the Lord, bless them. Lord, I forgive them. I forgive them for doing such and such. Help my heart agree with that forgiveness. Forgiveness is a faith thing. It's not actually a feeling thing. So your, your feelings will catch up with your, with your faith. So if you have to do that 100 times a day, you do it 100 times a day until, until your feelings catch up with the, the active faith that you're taking by blessing them. I'm telling you, that is the only way to live. Uh, otherwise, you will, um, you'll be really miserable because people are going to fail you. People are going to hurt you. Number eight, <clears throat> you don't have uh, you don't have anything to prove because God is your promoter. So this comes back to some of the orphan things uh, that I mentioned earlier. I you know <laughs> one of the hardest things for me as a young guy coming up in the church, coming up around great some of the best leaders in the world I got to be around, is you feel this need uh, to prove yourself. And actually, so uh, I'll share a dream real quick. I had this dream that during a season where I was struggling with that really bad, and this dream actually really helped uh, helped my heart. And in the dream, basically, I was in the church I was at at the time, and there was this like uh, just move of God happening, and this prophet comes, and he he comes over to the row I'm in because he needs help facilitating what God's doing. And he looks at, he looks at me, and he looks at the person on my left and the person on my right, and he picks both of them and skips over me. And they walk away to go help him. And in it, my heart sinks. And I just feel so overlooked. And I feel like no one sees who I am. And I look over, and I mentioned Catherine Kuhlman earlier. I look over, and Catherine Kuhlman is sitting right there. And she gives me this look, and she just nods her head in a way that was saying, in my heart, I knew what she was saying was, it's okay. It's going to be okay. And, uh, and in it, it, I woke up with such a peace and, and not being known and not being, uh, not having to promote myself that God was going to take care of that. And so I just encourage you guys, if you've, if you've dealt with any of that, just let God, let God promote you. You have nothing to prove. If, if he can find David on the backside of a hill, taking care of sheep, David was overlooked by his own family so much so that even, even his his father, when his father was told by prophet Samuel, was told, hey, go get all of your sons. His dad didn't even get him. Some of you have been hurt by, by your family, rejected by your family, overlooked by your family. Like, think about, think about David. When the prophet came, this exciting moment, the prophet came to anoint the next king. They didn't even think to get him. 
They didn't even think, oh, even if it was one of his brothers, they didn't even think, oh, maybe he wants to witness this. None of his family, seemingly, none of his family said anything like, hey, where's David? We should get David. He should be a part of this moment. And even so, God said no to all of the brothers and Samuel asked, is there one more? And so God can find you where you are. I promise you that. I'm living proof of that. I've seen God do amazing things over and over again for me. Number nine, intimacy. Nothing else matters, whether with God, people, or your spouse, it's essential. Intimacy and the, so Danny Silk says that this, uh, I've heard him say, into me, you see. So intimacy is actually allowing someone else to see into who you are. Um, This is not something you have with everyone, but with God, uh, intimacy is everything. And intimacy isn't just me getting close to him. It's him getting close to me. It's allowing him into those places in us that we're, we're scared to allow anybody into, to, to heal things, to touch things, to allow shame to be broken over, over the things that we don't want anybody to ever know about us. Things that we've done, that we said, that we've thought. So intimacy is essential. Um, including with people. You need people in your life that you allow to see in, uh, into all of the mess, into the darkest. You need somebody that you've told your darkest secrets to. Like It's just important to have that uh, because shame breeds in darkness. So where you allow light, where you allow those kinds of conversations, uh, it actually brings healing because it brings it to the light. And what's, what's in the light can no longer be used against you. It can no longer be used to, to make you cower. And then as far as with a spouse, once you're married, man, intimacy is more than just sex. It's it's such a deep, it's a deep place of allowing people to see your weaknesses, allowing your spouse to see your weaknesses, your your strengths. And that's one of the beautiful things about marriage is you get to see somebody completely in the most vulnerable states, you know, you know, not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally all of it, you're seeing them completely exposed and you still get to look them in the eyes and say, I still choose you. I still love you. And then they get to say that back. And it's one of the the deepest, most profound things. And that's the same thing we experience with, with the Lord. Um, obviously it's, you know, uh, it's similar in nature. (laughs) Um, obviously it's not the exact same as with the Lord. Uh, number 10, love is more catalytic than condemnation. And this is pretty simple. I've just seen, uh, I've seen it be easier to condemn people, to talk bad about people, to feel like, uh, like people are awful. They're never going to change. And then I've seen when I've, when I love someone deeply, I I've seen that be more catalytic, that, that be that, that have more of a spark to cause change than me condemning them. Uh, condemnation doesn't lead anybody anywhere, but that, but love actually catalyzes transformation. You know, it's the kindness of Christ that leads us to repentance. And actually it's, it's us showing love to people who don't deserve it. That actually helps transform them, helps them lead them into the transformation that comes by knowing the real Jesus. Number 11 insecurity is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You'll never be less secure than when living in insecurity. It's guaranteed to steal from your life. 
So this, uh, the idea of this is insecurity is, uh, is a place where we feel like we're not actually protected, so we have to protect ourselves. And it's actually a, a place of not relying on God. It's actually a, a, a form of idolatry. It's, it's we would rather protect our feelings and ourself than surrender to the Lord. And so if you're insecure around money, it's one of the quickest ways to lose money. If you're, if you're constantly in fear that your money's going to be taken, that you're never going to have enough, um, I'm going to tell you, you're going to lose money and you're never going to have enough. You're going to live in self-sabotage. You're going to find yourself losing money over stupid things. Um, some of you are probably listening to this and going, man, that's happening to me where money, it's like, as soon as you get money, it's drained and it just, you don't even know where it all goes. It's like, where did it all go? I had money and now I don't. And, um, and so I'm telling you, like getting into the place, allowing God to be your security in every area is so key. Otherwise, insecurity, the very thing you're afraid of will become a self-fulfilling prophecy and it will happen. Number 12, knowing who you are, uh, knowing who you are not is just as important as knowing who you are. Now, this one, uh, this one seems pretty uh pretty basic, but I just want to say this, like knowing who you are or not. So if you know who you are, you know what you're called to do, you know what you bring to the table, you know all that, like you're no longer, you've, you, you're in a place of sonship, but you're also like, you understand your call, you understand your strengths, your weaknesses. That's very important. And this one will actually save you so much trouble in life. If you understand who you're not, <laughs> uh, it'll save you so much time. There's, there's been so many times that I've been asked to do certain things, especially in the church world, but in, in business, in the marketplace, um, in relationships, I've been asked to do certain things. And, and knowing who I am and knowing who I'm not has saved me from committing to things that would be detrimental both to me uh, in, in the sense that I would most likely fail at them in a way that would... Um, that can slow progress, you know, like that can be, that can be, uh, almost like a, an emotional trauma or spiritual trauma or uh, developmental trauma. And for the, you know, for the relationship with the person I'm letting down, it could be really, um, impactful to that in a negative way. And so, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't stretch yourself. I'm not saying that there's, there's times that God won't ask you to do something that you're not qualified for. Like that, that totally happens. God will, he'll take your weakest points, the things that you're not, and he'll call you to do them. Like he will totally do that. Um, but this one is much more in, in the case of relationships, jobs, um, tasks, different things. Like knowing who I'm not has helped me say no to a lot of things. And, uh, I know, I know there's a lot of people who have trouble saying no. I've, I used to, I don't have trouble saying no anymore. I will tell you, no, I will tell you that's not for me. Um, and that's really important. Number 13. So number 13, friendships that are the same, no matter the time or distance are invaluable and rare, cherish them. And so I'm sure you guys all have experiences where you have friendships that no matter time or distance, they live across the country. You never see them. You talk to them once or twice a year. But when you do, it's like nothing changed. And uh, I'm so thankful for these people in my life. 
Um, just, you know, and th- there's a, f- a few of them that have been in my life for a while. Um, some of you may know David Wade, uh, Jasmine Tate, Nick Hawthorne. Like these are people that have been in my life and I can go a long period of time without talking to them. Avery Brooks is another one. Like when we, when we talk again, it's like nothing changed. Uh, like no time, no, no time had passed. And yes, we still catch each other, each other up and stuff, but you don't have that awkward catch up. Like, you know, I don't really even know you anymore that you feel with other people. Those sorts of friendships are, are rare. There's not a lot of people that will be in that place with you. And so, um, I think the older, the older I get, I know I'm only 31, but I've, I've lived enough life now to see that friendships come and go. And so if you can have a friendship like that, even if it's just one, um, it's worth cherishing. And that doesn't mean that they're going to be in your life for, for forever or in everything you do. Um, and that's okay. Uh, but it's good just to, I think one of the saddest things, uh, is, is not having people in your life you can turn to, not having people in your life that, that truly care or just having uh, yes men around you or there's a lot of people who have lots of friends, but none of them are deep friends. And so there's there's a depth of friendship and that comes with those sorts of people uh, that, man, I'm so thankful for it. So if you don't have that, I pray I pray you find that. Number 14, the right spouse adds strength while the wrong becomes dead weight. It's important to form covenants wisely. So I'm not going to get into all this this time. Maybe we'll do a podcast if there's any kind of push for it on marriage or preparing for marriage. Maybe that would be a good one uh, for some people because God took me on a really uh, specific preparation for marriage. That's another one of those things like prophetic words. Um, you know, people have prophetic words about getting married and they, <laughs> a lot of us are like, yeah, I want, I want them to be like this body type and I want them to do this and have this together. And it's like, yeah, but you're not that. <laughs> so we're, we're like, we have a higher standard for them than we have for ourselves. And, uh, anyways, but I, it is really important to find someone that, um, that can run with you and, uh, and just really quickly, like the the idea of yoking, a yoke is how you put, it's a, a wood thing that goes around the necks of two oxen. So you got to think about this. If two oxen are moving at the same pace, they can pull something greater than their weight. If one of the oxen isn't as strong as the other one, the first oxen can be extremely strong, but now he's pulling the weight of the cart and the other ox which means he'll go slower than if he was by himself. That is the case. There's no middle ground uh, with marriage. You either have somebody that is, you're able, you guys are going to take on the world together and it'll be a greater kingdom impact or you will find yourself constantly either being the one slowing the other down or you will be slowed down and not able to accomplish the things in your heart because of the other person. So, if that's a marriage that you're in, God can heal that. You probably need some counseling. You need you need some pastoral care. Uh, if you're thinking about getting in a marriage, be looking at that. You you want to make sure that this is a covenant worth forming. Number fifteen: Legalism is lame. Religion is powerless. Find the real Jesus. 
Uh, I'll just say this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You pursue the real Jesus, you'll find him. But also know, beware of the leaven of the, the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod. It's not, it's not worth it. Uh, number 16, the greater, uh, the blessing is greater than the curse. Blessing those speaking against you cuts off the witchcraft. So we've talked a little bit about this uh, in previous podcasts, and uh, my friend Justin Allen's been talking about it a lot. Uh, Christian witchcraft is real. Christian witchcraft is when you are speaking uh, your will over someone or praying your will over someone. Uh, This is what gossip is, is actually you're finding two or more agreement for negative things over somebody's life. And we don't realize how powerful we are. Um, I've had people that prayed that God humbles me, that God punishes me, that he, uh, because they don't agree with what I'm doing. And, and in reality, I've heard God and I'm trying to follow God, but they're praying witchcraft over me. Uh, and this goes for actual witches and all that stuff too. The blessing is greater than the curse. If somebody's, if you know that somebody is, is cursing you, begin to bless them. And the blessing over your life and the blessing over them will cut off the witchcraft. Uh, it, it'll render it powerless. Number 17, better to give mercy now than to need it later and not find it. This is pretty simple. The, the mercy you give out is the mercy you see, you'll receive. Uh, I am very quick to forgive or um, especially when I, when I hear people who have downfalls and things like that, I want to be gracious with them because I, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I make a mistake, where I hurt somebody. You know, the people that have hurt me, the leaders that have hurt me, that have done things that have been uh, painful, I, I want to look at them and have mercy. And it doesn't mean that the pain isn't there, that there isn't things to work through or whatever, but I want to have mercy because I could be the one doing the same thing later on, not realize it, not realize that I'm hurting somebody. Have I could have good intentions and be doing that and end up in a position where I need the mercy of God and I need the mercy of people. So um, I want to sow mercy so that I receive mercy later. Number 18, it's worth the sacrifice to be able to travel the world to experience what God's doing in other countries and people groups. Um, this one has been key to my life. People often are like, well, God can meet me where I'm at. Uh, Well, he's not in the way that you're wanting. And there's something about hunger and getting up off the couch and seeking, seeking him, going and meeting him in other places, going and seeing what is God doing uh, in, in, you know, places in Central or South America? What's he doing in Asia? What's he doing in Africa? What's he doing throughout Europe? What does the expression of Jesus look like? What does the bride of Christ look like? Uh, you know, is there a place that, uh, that has historically had a movement of God? Can I go there and learn more? Can I go there and pray? Um, you know, not that there, not that there's anything significant about that area anymore. And I'm not talking about grave sucking or anything like that. Cause I know people do some weird stuff. Um, but what I am saying is like, there's something to getting up and going to meet God. And I've had God just say, Hey, can you meet me? such and such place. And it could be in your town. It could be get on a plane and go somewhere all just to spend some time with God. 
which is pretty incredible. And I'm telling you some of the greatest experiences with him, some of the greatest uh, increases, like tangible increases in in power on my life and miraculous and things like that have come through those moments where God invites me and I go. Uh, and I can tell you, it will almost never be convenient. Uh, I would dare say it will never be convenient. It will not make sense financially. It will not make sense time-wise. It will not make sense with your other commitments. Um, but if the Lord invites, I go. And that's very important. Um, so I'd encourage you guys, if God's put stuff on your heart, go. Um, Desire the Nations podcast. My, my friend Nick Hawthorne has a podcast called Desire of the Nations. He has a lot of stories of, of where people, I was on his podcast once and got to share a little bit, but he has stories of when people have just um, had that on their heart to go. So it's another podcast you might want to check out. That's Desire of the Nations podcast. Uh, it's Nick Hawthorne. Okay, where are we? So uh, number 19, you don't have to seek persecution. Persecution will find you. Um, the truth is, uh, it, it, it feels good to have people uh, persecute you or get riled up about things you're saying. And as a young leader, um, it always felt good to kind of like poke the bear. Um, now, there is a place for that. But there's a heart posture behind that that has to be different. And as a young leader, I found myself wanting to be persecuted because it felt like it it was it affirmed my identity in some way. Um, trust me, if you follow Jesus, if you love Jesus, if you desire uh, to to do the things of God, you will be persecuted. You don't have to seek it out. People will will not talk well of you. People will find reasons to badmouth you to try to hurt you, to try to hurt those around you, or, or convince them to, to back away from you. It will happen. Don't seek it out. Just seek to, to know him deeply, and it'll, it'll come. Um, but you don't, you don't need that as some affirmation for yourself. Get, sol- get solid in, in your identity in Christ by getting with the Father. That's how you deal with the orphan spirit. Um, let the spirit of adoption, the, the Holy Spirit, invite him to fill you afresh, to push out every orphan place in your life, and he'll do it. Okay, so that was 19. So number 20, pain is real and necessary. Better to feel and know there's something wrong than to be dying and too numb to tell. Suffering is an opportunity to relate to Jesus and his sufferings. Don't waste it. So I, I don't want to get into this too much because I've talked about this a lot in other podcasts, especially uh, one of the first podcasts of season two where Vince Canegraj interviewed me and I shared a lot about the sufferings um, relating to Jesus and his sufferings. Uh, anything that we experience, Jesus has experienced and we can relate to him in those experiences because relationship is built over common experience. So when you've experienced something, you can talk to somebody and begin to build relationship with them because it's like, oh yeah, I experienced that and I went through this. Or, hey, yeah, I visited this place. Oh, did you go to this coffee shop? And you begin to relate with one another over a common experience. So same way, when we experience rejection, suffering, pain, all of it, we can connect with Jesus in a way we couldn't before that moment, before that pain, before that suffering. And so it's not that God caused the pain but he will let that pain draw you closer. And, and it actually is a, a way of, um, it's revenge on the devil because the devil's 
job his role and and his whole point of his his existence at this point is he is doing everything he can to cut you off from relationship with Jesus and because that's the only way he can really truly hurt God at this point is by taking away those who God loves and and convincing them to to not want relationship with Jesus so if you can take pain all the hurt all the all the bad things that happen if you can turn that into a way to connect with Jesus in a deeper way you win. You win. I promise you, you win. Okay, so let's move on. Um, <clears throat> number 21. Oh, actually, I'm going to say this about 20 real quick. The other part of that was it's better to, uh, it's better to feel and know there's something wrong than be too numb to tell. In America, we love to avoid pain, especially. Um, I know some of you are listening from other places, but in the U.S., we will take every drug we can. We'll do anything we can to avoid any measure of pain at all. Um, But I'm telling you, spiritually, you do not want to avoid pain. Lean into the pain. Recognize that the pain is pointing you to something going on that needs dealt with, that needs you to invite Holy Spirit in. You need to invite people in. You might need to invite a therapist in uh, or a pastor, but it's better to to have that pain and feel it and be able to recognize that that's telling you that something's wrong than to uh, push it down deep down to where you numb yourself and you don't recognize the pain anymore but really you're dying because that will lead to a breakdown so somebody needed to hear that 20 21 it's powerful to unify over what we agree on jesus so this one's pretty simple. Um, over the years, I did not want to unify with anyone who did not have exact, uh, exactly the same theology. And, uh, that's just, a it's a common, common error. Um, I've, I've realized over the years that if they can agree on the main thing, that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, that no one comes to the father, but by him, that he is the son of God, that he is, he is one third of the Trinity that he ever lives to make intercession for us. If they can agree on, on Jesus, uh, you know, uh, on the, the, the main things, if they can, if we can agree on that, I can overlook their, their belief on, on in times theology, on their eschatology, on, you know, I've, I've, I've been able to connect with people who don't even believe in healing and connect with believers who don't believe in healing when I've seen healing happen over and over again. But healing is not a make or break thing. They're not, they're, they're not going to get to, you know, to stand before Jesus and, and him say, did you believe in healing? And they say no. And he's like, okay, depart from me for I never knew you. Um, they're, you know, if they have relationship with Jesus, I can leave it up to him, up to, to Holy Spirit to, to reveal the rest in them. Um, but we can connect over, over the person of Jesus. Uh, and I think that actually makes the Lord happy, you know, that we can connect even though we disagree. Uh, number 22, fasting when done with the right heart is a powerful opportunity to allow the real God ordained, uh, the real God ordained you to surpass the flesh and the soul. Um, fasting has been one of the most, probably the most influential practice of my life. Um, and I've fasted a decent amount. Uh, I know there's definitely people that fast more than I, than I have. Um, but every time I've fasted, um, not every time, 
majority of the time I fasted, I've seen great results. There's other times I've done it and I've realized my heart hasn't been in it the right way. Um, but the times my heart's been aligned, I've seen the spiritual side of me surpass my flesh, my, my mind, will, and emotions and all that. And I've seen God move in me uh, and in my life in a greater way. So that could be a whole whole nother topic. Um, but I'd encourage you guys fast, go after fasting, ask questions about fasting, research it. But it's, it's very worth it. Um, it's a lost art today. Number 23, you can only receive what you're willing to honor, whether it's gifting, authority, uh, anointing, whatever you honor in others, you can receive. And so there's, this is a big topic. I could talk on this actually for hours. I'll probably write a book about this one day, but everyone around you, the body supplies the needs of the rest of the, of the other parts. You're part of a body and the people around you, this is why it's essential that you're connected to a church and not just a church of people just like you. You need to be connected to a church of different individuals that all are connected and love the Lord because they all carry individual graces and giftings and anointings that you don't have. And so there's going to be a time that your breakthrough is tied up in the person next to you. And a, and a grace that someone else is carrying that you need in your life. Uh, and God created us to need each other and to be connected and sub- that all the body parts would supply each other. So, uh, and if you want, if you want to walk in authority, if you want to actually walk in leadership, honor leaders, pray for them, honor them. Uh, I put... I oftentimes will put money in, in people's hands who I, if I recognize somebody's paid a cost before heaven, whether they're well-known or not, uh, my wife and I, we have a value for that. We'll put, as a matter of honor, we'll put money in their hands and we'll say, thank you for paying the cost that you've paid to know, to know God. And uh, that honor has created more authority on our life and has increased the anointing on our life and so many other things because and it's also uh, your gift makes way for you, as it says, and I believe Proverbs. And so I've seen that actually open so many doors, not not because they're like, oh, you gave me money, so now I'm going to do something for you, but because they're blown away by that heart, that heart posture, because it's not common. Honor is not common. So if you if you can honor well, doors will open for you and things will happen. And that's not why we honor. But when you honor, that's the result. Number 24, read the Bible daily, even when it's inconvenient or hard to focus. You're retaining more than you know. The, the scriptures are everything, uh, even more so now than any other point in my life. I'm, I'm digging into theology. I'm learning. I'm growing. And uh, even if it's just a couple scriptures, I'm, I, as much as I can, I make sure to read the Bible daily. Um, sometimes it's more than others. And what you'll it, it may feel like you wake up the next day and you're like, man, I don't even remember what I read yesterday. Um, but I'm telling you, it's getting in you and, and the Holy Spirit can bring up in you what you've put in and he can bring up scripture and the truth of scripture and it can begin to transform you. And you got to give him something to work with, though. Um that's what he's looking for. That's that is the co-laboring in this. You put the word in you and he'll give you the word uh, in the in the right time when it's needed, he'll put the word on your lips, but it's got it. You got it. You got to do your part and put it in you first. And you got to give him something to help transform you. 
and, and it's co-laboring in your own transformation and your own sanctification um, by reading the word of God and letting it be a mirror so that you can see who you are. Number 25, you can love, honor, and have deep relationship with people that don't actually get you. That's okay. So one of the things I've heard a lot in pastoring is, um, you know, people in community and they complain about, oh, no one here knows me. Um, and they just want people to know them. And they're talking about, they want, they want people to, that actually get them. Um, that's great. And, uh, but the truth is a lot of times God will actually, especially when you're orphaned and you're looking for people to affirm you and you're not finding that affirmation in the father, God will cover you so that people do not see who you are. And he'll do that because it'll push you towards seeking that affirmation in him. Because if, if you find, uh, Bill Johnson says, if you live by the applause of man, you'll die by the lack of it. And so God loves you too much to let you find your affirmation in people and in them, quote unquote, knowing you. Um, so he will oftentimes cover you so they don't even see who you are. And it's frustrating as all get out. Um, I had this happen with me where I was, uh, I was constantly looking for that, not even realizing it. I had uh, a friend, Josh Lawrence, uh, he's the pastor of Worldfire, Worldfire Church in Pickerington, Ohio. Uh, but we were on the same staff at that point, and he, he, uh, he told me one day, he's like, hey, uh, you're, doing, you're growing so much, I'm seeing a lot in you, but I just want to share one thing. Um, I noticed when you're in the room, you're always looking for somebody to affirm you. And I didn't, I, I didn't even consciously know that was happening until he pointed out. And then I could totally, I just saw it. I was like, oh my goodness, I am doing that. And, uh, he just shared, he's like, um, he just shared his story with some of that. And I, I just said, God, from this point forward, I, I no longer need the affirmation of man. And, uh, and I got, I really, I hit that point where I did not need somebody to tell me, like, it was always good when somebody's like, man, you're doing so good or you're growing or whatever, but it didn't, at that point I would accept it. I would say, thank you. But it didn't, it didn't do anything to my heart the way it did before that point. Uh, before that point, it would, it would feel so good and excite me and, you know, make me feel a little bit more affirmed for a little bit. And then I was empty again. And I just got to this point where I was like, God, you're my affirmation. And you're the one, you're the one I need to aff- to affirm me. So then I realized like I can have relationships with people. Like I'm a really, for anyone who knows me personally, I'm really unique. Like I am a different type of, um, uh, uh, my, my gift structure, the way my brain works, the, the, the things I say, the things I talk about, the, the revelations God's given me are very different. They're, they're biblical, but they're very different. I'm a very different person. And that probably won't make sense unless you really know me, but, um, I'm a different person. And so one of the things that's been frustrating throughout the years is I felt like no one really got me and, uh, in it, in working on this affirmation thing and that, that conversation with Josh, it helped fix that. And so there's a lot of people who don't get me. I have close friends that don't really see who, who I am or what I'm called to or, in a real way. They have ideas, they get little hints here or there, they see little things, you know, but they don't really get it. And that's okay. It's not anyone's job to know you, but God. And and hopefully your spouse can can get to that place. Um, and every once in a while you'll have somebody who really does see and affirms and God will use that or you'll have a close friend and that's that's great too. But for the most part, they don't need to know you, they just need to love you. 
and you can love and honor other people whether you fully see who they are or they fully see who you are you can have great relationship and that's the call that we constantly see paul in almost every letter call out uh, to have deep connection to to put others first above ourselves uh, and and to to forgive to to deal with things quickly and all those sorts of things to show love so number 26 a critical heart is crippling to the one that possesses it it's also a quick way to be disappointed with everyone around hopeless and ultimately to end up alone so this is something that was ingrained in me as a leader to be critical and I learned it was actually a learned behavior to be critical of people because I wasn't like this before I was in leadership in the body and uh, but I saw leaders consistently be critical of those they were leading and I was I was taught it as if that's like just what you do is like you're you see all the issues you talk about everyone's junk as leaders like as pastors and stuff we sit and talk about you know this person's doing this and this person's doing this and yeah, yeah, we're trying to walk through this with them. And, and I, I just realized that I was, I was taught such, uh, this, such a, I was, I received such a, a critical spirit that I no longer had hope for those around me. And I was not seeing any transformation because my, my faith level and my hope was so low that there would be any transformation. And so it's actually a really quick way to keep people exactly it's almost that self-fulfilling prophecy like your your belief level in them they will rise to the level of your belief and if you're critical and you're only seeing the worst in them they will be the worst um and it will stay that way and i'll tell you i've seen this happen um firsthand you if you're a person who's critical of everyone who's always you'll end up always frustrated uh, at everyone around you because no one will li- live up to your expectations and especially high discerning people. If you, if you have really the ability to discern things in people and see things that aren't even outward, you know, you're seeing things that they're dealing with or, you know, you have to guard your heart against a critical spirit. If you can't love them, if you can't believe the best in them, um, you will end up frustrated and ultimately if you're this kind of person you will end up alone because no one's going to be good enough around you number 27 we're almost we're almost to the end number 27 you're called to be as jesus in the world not holy spirit it's not your job to convince or convict only to love and share the truth of the kingdom let holy spirit do his part so Jesus, Jesus said, just as I am in the world, now you are. And Jesus did not go around. If you actually pay attention to how Jesus spread the gospel, quote unquote, he did not try to convince anyone. He consistently said, he, he would say some crazy truth, some crazy statement that would kind of freak them out and then be like, okay, I'm going this way. And he would see who follows, you know, um, you know, one of the examples of that is, uh, you gotta, you gotta eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then everyone leaves the whole crowd leaves except for his disciples. You're like, Hey, okay. You're going to leave too. There's, there's the door. You can go that way. Uh, the next town's that way. Start walking. And they're like, where else would we go? You know, who else has, has the words of life? You know, it's like the, the road to Emmaus where their, their, their hearts burn within their chests. Um, 
you know, that this was one of those experiences for them where they're, they're like, when you speak, even though we don't understand our hearts burn within us and, and we, we know that there's more. So Jesus did not try to convince anyone. He also didn't try to convict anyone. Con- trying to convict someone is manipulation. It is witchcraft. And it's something we have to guard ourselves from. In that, we are being Holy Spirit. And when we when we step in to be Holy Spirit, we're actually not allowing his, him to do his part. It is co-laboring. When you, when you are both walking as Jesus in this world and trying to be Holy Spirit's end, you're trying to fulfill both sides of the co-laboring and you're actually pushing Holy Spirit out of the equation. And so it's, you know, I've seen this happen in my own life where there's somebody that I'm consistently, I'm so trying to take care of them and help transform them and all the things that nothing happens. And then the second I realize I'm doing that, I repent and I say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to let you do it your way. I see such growth, transformation, things happen quickly, rapidly in that person because I was actually standing in the way by trying to be Holy Spirit. And so many who have been led by me, they know a common phrase I always say is, ask Holy Spirit. And the reason is is because I can tell them everything. I can tell them my opinions. I can even tell them what God's saying. I can tell them, I can I can give them the truth and point them in the right direction. Um, but no one, no one is going to be as impactful uh, to them as the voice of God and God telling them himself. And so... I'd rather lead people to Holy Spirit and point them to the truth and allow Holy Spirit to do the convicting, to do the convincing, and ultimately the transforming because that's his job. That's not ours. And uh, much of the body, we, we desperately need to learn this lesson. 28. Jesus is more real than you believe. Every day is an opportunity for a greater rev- revelation revealing of him. So this one, it is so easy to be comfortable with, uh, with our understanding of Jesus, with our our current revelation. It's easy to get to the place that we think we've got Him figured out. That is called spiritual pride, and uh, it's a quick way to be uh, spiritually dead. It's a quick way to begin to spiritually die, and um, and so I just one of the lessons I I've learned, and I don't always do this one well. Um, but it is something I would want to tell my, myself at 21 is, you know, every day seek to seek for greater revelation, seek for Jesus to be revealed to you in a new and fresh way, because there's always more of him. There's always more of him to discover. And, uh, just in his short time with the disciples in the, the little bit of accounts that we have in the gospels, because we have the, the Gospels are such a small part of those three years that he had with those men, with those boys, really. They were teenage boys, most of them. Um, that small period of time, uh, we see him reveal himself over and over and over again in new and fresh ways. You know, from what I just said about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, that was a new re- revelation. They're like, yeah, we haven't heard that one before. Or uh, when he's revealed as the other, when he, uh, on the Mount of Trans... Uh, uh, transfiguration where, um, you know, they get to see him in his otherness, as it says, uh, you know, there's these different 
revelations, these different revealings of parts of Jesus. Then we see the Jesus of Revelation, which is close to the Transfiguration Jesus, but um, he's got this message and he's among the churches and we get to see him as like Lord, Lord of the church, you know, which wasn't before when he was walking with the disciples, the church wasn't a thing. So, you know, that wouldn't have made any sense. So anyways, um, Jesus is looking to reveal himself in new ways and you can spend your entire life and, and still not see the fullness of Jesus. Number 29, the older you get, the tighter your circle gets. It's not that you did something wrong. It's that not everyone can go where you're going. I I just want to say this, you know, um, I had some scripture here and stuff. Friendships are so important. But one of the one of the great mistakes I've made in my life is I love to include everyone. I want everyone I love to be a part of everything I'm doing. And the truth is, um, a lot of times people can't go with you. And a lot of times they're not, they haven't gone through talking about, okay, so the the process with the prophetic, you know, you could go through a great process to be able to stand up under the prophetic word. And then you get to the prophetic word and you want to take people with you, but they can't actually stand next to you because they haven't gone through a similar process. They haven't allowed the Lord to form them in those areas. And so that's if they're doing the exact same thing as you, but there's just people in your life. You need people who can, uh, who can stand with you, who can believe great and and amazing things that make no sense, that can dream big with you, that can hold you accountable to hunger, to pursuit, to going bigger, uh, to not giving up. And there's a lot of people, uh, in your life that would not be able to do that. And so your circle has to get smaller. And as your life goes on, your, your focus gets a little bit more, more and more precise. And so your, your circle of friends and the people that can really stand in that place with you become smaller and smaller. And this actually ties in with number 30, which is more often than not, people will not be able to see your growth beyond the point that they've had a heart or relational connection with you. So what do I mean by this? What I mean by this is oftentimes, um, oftentimes people in your life will, uh, you know, the, Jesus said, a prophet's not without honor in his own hometown, his own house, his own family. Um, you know, there's something to the people who have seen you at your worst. They've seen your mistakes. They always kind of see your mistakes and they always kind of see you in light of your mistakes except for there are special friendships or people in your life that will be able to consistently um, see where you were and see where you are and celebrate that. But most people, that's not the case. More often than not, people will remember how they first met you and the first time that they really connected with you and how they saw you at that moment. So like if you, I've experienced this in leadership, you know, I've come into people's lives as a leader and they always kind of see me as the leader that I was in that season. And they always kind of expect me to be what I was in that season. And as I moved on, they haven't been able to see that's no longer what I'm in. That's no longer my focus. That's no longer where God has me. Another example of this is I've been under, under leaders where, they consistently brought up things as if 
I it was when they first met me, even though it had been almost a decade um, of of you know being with them, and so they would I would constantly get accused of stuff that actually wasn't happening. And other people, other leaders and stuff in my life were like, no, you've actually, you used to be that, but you've grown. And so um, a lot of times people will not be able to see you past that first kind of connection point where they first got excited about who you are. um, And then they kind of begin to see your junk. And uh, we just, as, as human beings, we don't do a great job of, of letting go. And, and recognizing like, oh yeah, yeah, you did that, but there's been all this growth. And so we, we will much quicker hold on to uh, the letdowns, the negative, the mistakes, and uh, always kind of see it in light of that, which especially happens in family. You know, your family's watched you grow up, make lots of mistakes, and a lot of times it's really difficult for them to see your growth. Um, but that's also true in friendships and in leadership positions or, you know, being submitted somewhere. Um, which is, I believe, like, the I know a lot of people jump around um, when God isn't telling them to. But I do think there actually is something to God. God will move you and have you do seasons places and there does come a point where you can't be where you're at because you actually need to be somewhere where you can be heard where you can be uh believed in and that sort of thing so um and that brings us to the final one number 31 which is actually kind of ties in as well everyone's just doing the best they can be kind and believe the best it's your it's not your job to change them I have I have realized more and more, even when I'm a spiritual father to people or discipling someone or whatever, um, man, just believe the best in people. Yes, there's times to have hard conversations. Yes, there's times that people are just totally, you know, messing messing their lives up or whatever. You can have conversations. It's not my job to change you. Uh, it's not my cho- my job to uh, try control what you're doing. It's not my job to be frustrated over where you're at. Um, I can pray for you. I can even be a little bit heartbroken. But at the end of the day, whether I'm leading you, I'm a friend, uh, acquaintance, or I've you know we're meeting for the first time, uh, it's just better to be kind to people and just believe the best. Believe that people have have the best of intentions, or that God you know God's doing something great in them. I I believe He's always working in people's lives in some way. And so I'm just going to believe, I'm going to believe that God's going to do in him what he wants to do. And so that becomes my prayer. I'm not going to pray my will. I'm not going to pray my frustration over them. I'm just going to pray his best for them. And uh, that has, that ties in with the one about having a critical, number 26, having a critical heart. And actually the more I've, I've leaned into just being kind and believing the best, it's actually freed me of a critical heart and given me more love for people. Uh, and in the, and when I've loved people better, there's been more transformation. So a lot of these tie in together. Anyways, those are the 31 lessons I've learned. I'm sure there's more, but those are the 31 I, I, I've, I thought of that I would want to tell myself. Um, you know, 10 years ago when I was 21 and I was a young kid coming into the, the world of experiencing the kingdom and and glory and manifestations and healings and miracles and salvations and deliverances and all the fun stuff. Um, but meanwhile being broken and, and orphaned and, 
uh, not believing in who I was or, you know, that God actually really truly loved me in a deep way. I didn't understand worship. Um, I remember not knowing how to even worship. I'd be in, in amazing worship circles. Uh, for those who know Jasmine Tate, I got to travel with her a little bit and I'd be in rooms with her leading and I, you know, I didn't even know how to engage with God, but I knew how to get people healed, uh, which is kind of an interesting place to be in. Um, but not surprising because the disciples, you know, he gave them authority and they were healing people before they were even saved. Um, so I was saved and I was seeing people healed, but I didn't have intimacy. And so anyways, I wish I, I, I wish I, uh, you know, could have done that all the easy way, but also there's such lessons in the pain and in the things that I've been through. So I'm very thankful for that. I'm very thankful for my process. Um, I'm thankful to be 31 years old. Uh, you know, when you're young, you never think you'll, you'll hit your thirties. And I'm, you know, right now it feels like I'll, I'll never hit my forties or fifties or sixties, you know, um, time flies. I know people always say that I've got two beautiful kids now and my wife is incredible and God's opening us stuff for our life that is very, um, we haven't been able to make it public, but there's a lot going on. God's doing some incredible things and, uh, man, I'm so thankful. So I'm going to pray for you guys real quick. I don't typically pray, uh, concluding, but a lot of times I let my guests, uh, but today's, today's a little bit different. So Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now, whoever's listening to this, surround them. Surround them with your presence. Let your tangible presence begin to rest on them right now. And God, for I, I'm sure that there's there's some of these lessons that really stuck out more than others. So for those ones, for those things that that you were poking at their heart or trying to speak through God, I just ask that you come and you bring transformation. You make them real to them. You draw them into a deeper place with you. God, if there's any way that that those listening can avoid pain that I've been through and it not hurt their walk overall, uh, I just ask that you you help them have the wisdom to avoid it. Help them have the wisdom to uh, to step into the lessons that I learned through pain. And God, I just overall, I just bless them. I just thank you for your shalom peace. Let the weighty peace of heaven just begin to rest on them. I command anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, all that just lift, lift, lift. Spirit of adoption, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of adoption. So I just ask you, wrap yourself around them. Wrap yourself around them. Let them, let every orphan place just dissolve in the goodness of your love. Yeah, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this. I hope, I really hope this blessed you. Thank you for all those who have reached out for my birthday. Um, People sent money and other stuff, you know, just, I'm just, I'm blown away, um, by, by your kindness and your love and just how, how good, uh, how good my life is. And that doesn't mean it's free from pain. That doesn't mean it's free from hardship, but my life, my life is good. And God has been very good to us. So 
I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who needs to hear this podcast, especially new believers, I feel like there's a lot in this that could be really helpful to new newer believers. Um, but I'll, honestly, anyone, if there's somebody you know that, that needs this, please share this with them. Please share it with your friends. Share it on your social media. And uh, if you have any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Go to firemovement.com, and there you can send me a message. Or if you'd like to, um, I'm going to start uh, speaking again, potentially, uh, here pretty soon. So if you're listening to this and you have a, a church or something like that, and you'd l- like me to come speak or, uh, or one of my guests, I can connect you with one of my guests as well. If there's somebody you'd like to come speak, um, you can reach out through our website. And, uh, also if this has impacted you in any way, this, this ministry, this podcast, um, would you consider, giving a one-time or monthly uh, donation of support. It helps us continue what we're doing. And uh, you guys have been so generous. So thank you for your generosity. Um, thank you for blessing this. And when you when you sow into this, actually the fruit of this becomes your fruit. So as we see people touched by Jesus, it becomes your fruit too. So I know there's some of you that sow into this monthly, and I, I just want to say thank you again. Uh, because any fruit from this podcast is your fruit too. And anyone who's touched in this, heaven is assigning that fruit to you as well. So thank you. Uh, Love you guys. And until next time, this is the Fire Podcast.